Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Iron Sea for our third episode of 2011. The podcast that prides itself on recording slightly less regularly than piano-based bands do. On today's episode, we'll be catching up on what you might have missed. We'll be talking about why Keen are finally coming up for air. And talking about the importance of A&R. So that's today's Beyond the Iron Sea. So, the reason why we've not been recording over the past few months is really very simple. Because Keen haven't been recording anything. Or rather, they have been, but they haven't really been talking about it much. Yeah, the only public statements the band have made until recently have talked about Tim recording demos at home. Yeah, they've generally been very circumspect about it all. I think a sharp contrast to the recording of Perfect Symmetry, um, which was broadcast to all and sundry through those blog posts... Uh, the videos, the images, and it was all designed to sort of tease fans through the process of of putting Perfect Symmetry together. Yeah, I mean, do you think there'll be more of that when recording starts in earnest? Uh, Well, personally, I don't think so, because I get the impression that recording has actually started in earnest, if you know what I mean. Um... But, okay, so what have they been recording? Well, first off, I mean, we know about Tim's Place, of course. Yeah, so, so the band don't have the barn anymore. But uh, I do believe that the last time Tim moved, I mean, it's, it's hard to keep up with uh, how often the band do move house, but I believe he took the opportunity to build a studio in, which is uh, very convenient. Yeah, very, very sensible. Kind of like that time you had that S&M dungeon put into your, your last place. Yeah, quite. Um, sorry, where were we? Um, yeah, the, the whole process has sort of moved on a pace um, in, in recent weeks, and that's been moved on mostly by the uh, blog on the official website, when Tim revealed that they had, in fact, been working on songs in Hampstead's Posh Air Studios. Very fancy there, I think. Uh, not that somewhere that Keen's recorded before, though. Um, well, you, you say that, but in fact all of them have recorded there on other projects, with the uh, exception of Richard. Um, Jesse played there on the Papini Sister second record. Um, Tim and Tom were part of the uh, Band Aid 20 that was recorded there back in 2004. That's uh, some good knowledge there, Andrew. Cheers, cheers. Bit scary, but there we go. Uh, yeah, so the band recorded there for a couple of weeks in July, culminating in Tim's post. Plenty of time to flesh out his skeletal demos there. Mmm, meaty bass. Muscular mm. drumming. Hairy vocals? Well, quite possibly. Um, uh, if we, well, if we believe Tim's post, then the original long list of 40 song ideas has been slashed down to just 15. Um, and I don't know about you, Chris, but that, to, to me, personally, that doesn't seem like too many. Um, particularly if you try and factor in things like B-sides for singles. Well, I mean, I suppose in this day and age, B-sides aren't really that essential, I and... Mean, you know, demos and live versions have been sort of very common recently for the band. Uh, and I remember when we spoke to Tim, he, you know, he stated he's very much in love with the concept of an album. So I think that's probably what's going to be most important, you know, those 10, 11, 12 tracks that make up the, the album. Yeah, well, well, absolutely. And I mean, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that um, uh, prioritising the quality of the record should be... I don't think the quality of the record should be compromised so that you can mm. get a few extra B-sides. But, okay. you know, personally, I miss the days of gems like Fly To Me and Walnut Tree and To The End Of The Earth mm. and Something In Me Was Dying. And they were just being tossed out there um, with a, a disregard for their, their value. and The way you want it. Great yeah, song. yeah, definitely. Um, well, maybe I think it's just that at the time, Tim probably had more great songs than he actually knew what to do with. So, yeah, you know. this was the built-up over the years. So, um, out of this short list of 15, it means the band must have a, you know, a pretty good idea of how the record is actually going to sound. Um, I guess they're not just sort of throwing down individual tracks, which I suppose is how Perfect Symmetry sort of came together, really, wasn't it? It was sort of a few good songs they had kicking around, rather than necessarily the best 15 which gelled together. Yeah, that, well, that's an interesting point of view, because I think listening back to Perfect Symmetry now, 
is kind of interesting because there's a lot of excellent songs on the record. Absolutely, def- you know, I, you know, I'll definitely say that excellent songs. But there's kind of this strange lack of cohesiveness and, and focus if you listen to it all the way through as one record um, in its own right. Would you say? I mean, for me, that's not really a criticism. I mean, it shows a few different sides of Keen. Um, and, you know, the main criticism of Keen has been in the past, you know, they're just sort of one sound, a one trick mm. pony. So th- the album, for me, really, sh- sh- by showing off their different sides, it, you know, that shows off the best of the band. For yeah, me. and I, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I think the, the focus with Perfect Symmetry was, you know, showing off these different facets that they've, they've got, um, showing they've got different pace, really. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that said. Well, yeah, that that said, I think they they may be miss having um, someone like like Ferdy, who's their their old uh, A and R man. Yeah, so so he was the A and R for Hopes and Fears, and uh, I, I believe under the INC as well. Well, I, well, I don't think he was there all the way through under the INC um, mm-hmm. through all the sessions. Okay. Um, I think he moved on to another job right at the start of two thousand six, which, from memory, it would have been after the first sort of Magic Shop sessions, but before they finished the record off at the start of 2006 but mm. um, I can remember Tim telling us about how valuable his input and his advice was in the past and um, it's funny that, that since then perhaps the, the you know the, the direction has been slightly different yeah so wasn't wasn't there an interview uh, with the new A&R posted on the Keen Forum a little while ago um, there was um, actually I've, I've got this in my notes somewhere it's um it's a guy called Louis Louis Bloom I don't know if it's Louis or Lewis um, let's let's call him Louis for the moment um, but it, I think it quoted him as saying that the experience taught him uh, tact which is interesting and that you have to be very sensible uh, sorry very sensitive in the way you approach conversations with artists and to me that kind of suggests that maybe the relationship with the ANR hasn't been the easiest over the past few years which you know just that kind of contrast between the two eras maybe and yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting point, but uh, what do you think that means for the new record, then? Um, I, I genuinely don't know, if, if, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, Another great insight there from Beyond the INC. But I, th- I think this is something we can talk out, uh, about a bit more next time, um, when we start exploring what we think this album is, uh, is going to sound like. Cool, look forward to it. So, a quick round-up then of a few things you might have missed. Congratulations to Adam, Beth and the rest of Keen's management crew who were given the Achievement Award at the Artist and Manager Awards recently. Mm, Nice to see them getting some recognition. Well done, guys. Tim went to Glastonbury, then blogged about it on the official website. It sounds like he had a good time. And Actually, um, funny enough, um, I think I put this on the Twitter um, for a bit at the time. Some friends of mine were convinced they saw him down in the photo pit for Coldplay, but um, having read his his blog back, it turns out he was somewhere else, so mistaken identity there. Hmm. I mean, uh, you told me there was a lot of good stuff at Glastonbury. I didn't go, but, you know. Yeah, 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 definitely. Tim posted a few highlights, so if you haven't already checked out that blog, have a look. On June the 12th, we celebrated the 5th anniversary of Keane's second album under the INC coming out. Um, we did that by holding an international listening party and Tweetathon. Right up until Twitter kicked us off their server for excessive posting, which was, I think it was about during Crystal Ball, wasn't it? What can I say? I, I love that song. Yeah. Luckily, though, Richard, who had been providing some interesting uh, colour commentary, picked up the baton and helped us through to the finish during our banishment. Thanks for doing that, Richard. It's it's a great record, and I think it still stands up today. And um, I would say, if you haven't listened to it in a while, why not give it a, a spin tonight? Bong. And that was the news. Beyond the 
So, that's almost it for this episode. Any beard watches this time, Andrew? No, no, not this time, but at a guess, though, given that they've all been shut away so long, I'd imagine they're probably down to the waist all round. And just think of the fingernails. That's a scary thought. Scary? It's fucking terrifying. And on that bombshell, it's uh, time to wrap up. So, as we said, we'll be back next week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the future musical direction of the band and what that holds for album number five. And we'll also be talking to some fans of the band about just what they're expecting from the next album. So, until then, it's goodbye from Beyond the Inc. Goodbye.